0: Wow, yes, just a great way to start the year, isn't it? <laughs> Good morning and happy new year, yay, happy 2020. <laughs> now, this is the time, right, this is the time of the year where we start our start over routines, right, we do our start, we go back to the gym, we start that diet, we vow to walk more we're going to take that class or we're going to get that degree we, we we're going to paint more right or or write more or do something different you know according to the science over 80% of resolutions are over by the first week of february <laughs> just in case you were wondering <laughs> look even the name smacks of failure it's called a resolution and if you look at the word it means resolve Resolve, so you're resolving the same thing that you tried to solve last year, and the year before that, and the year before that, and the year before that, right? Without success. When they say, what's the difference, Uh, what's the definition of a resolution? Something that goes in one year and out the other? (laughs) I love that. (laughs) When they said, a resolution is really a to-do list for the first week of January. (laughs) That's really what it is, you know. An optimist stays up till midnight on New Year's Eve to welcome the new year in, and a pessimist stays up to make sure that the old one leaves. <laughs> really, I have a New Year's resolution this year. I'm finally going to learn the words to Old Lang Syne. <laughs> God, who knows? I'm la, la 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 la, right? That's what you do. May old acquaintance, you know, and then it just drifts off from there because nobody knows the words. Well, and here's my, uh, my New Year's wish for you, is that may your troubles last as long as your New Year's resolutions. <laughs> there you go, isn't that lovely? <laughs> right? I mean, okay, so, so we resolve to read more, so we put subtitles on the TV. <laughs> I resolve to help my friends all gain 20 pounds so I look thinner. <laughs> so it's a good, right? It's a good resolution. New Year's. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's the accepted time to make changes, right? That's what we do. We, um, we vow to make all of those resolutions. We vow to make all of those those grand intentions. And then next week, we begin paving hell with all of them, right? Because that's what happens. You know, it just is. So so how about we do something different this year, right? How about instead of all those resolutions that kind of wind up, you know, fading away, we do something different. We consider maybe... um, that we are, as Ernest Holmes said, whole, perfect, and complete? What if we start from there? That we are already whole, perfect, and complete. We are made in the image and after the likeness of a creator who created everything out of itself, never being absorbed by its creation. What if we start with that premise instead? Okay? Ernest Holmes said this, he said, It's easy to believe that God's perfect. We must also believe that spiritual man is perfect, or spiritual human is perfect. And since it's difficult to believe that the objective human is perfect, we must confine our statements to a realization that the spiritual perfection of the human. In such a degree, as our realization becomes a subjective embodiment the objective healing automatically takes place. So we continue to see the spiritual human as whole, perfect, and complete. And then that's what the the physical body, the physical world of conditions tries to align with and aligns with, right? So what if we started this year as that instead of trying to fix all of our faults, We embodied this idea that we're whole, perfect, and complete already. What if we celebrated our wins and we learned from our losses and we moved through the year not trying to disown parts of ourselves, but loving all of ourselves, loving the totality of ourselves, and in doing so, transform our lives through acceptance. (gasps) What a concept. (laughs) Don't you love that? Okay, that's what we're talking about. So... So we're going to go back to the beginning, because that's where it all starts, right? We're in January. And in the beginning, Ernest Holmes said, these lessons are dedicated to the truth which frees man from himself and sets him on a pathway to a new experience, which enables him to see through the mist to the eternal and changeless reality. That's the invitation we have in the beginning of this book. The Science of Mind and Spirit, although it's just called The Science of Mind now, it was called The Science of Mind and Spirit originally. And Ernest Holmes goes on to say, peace be unto thee, stranger, enter and be not afraid. I've left the gate open and thou art welcome in my home. There is room in my house for all. We've swept the hearth and lighted the fire. The room is warm and cheerful and you will find comfort and rest within. The table is laid and the fruits of life are spread before you. The wine is here also. It sparkles in the light. And the sparkling cider for those of us who are on 12 steps. I have set a chair for you where the sunbeams dance through the shade. Sit and rest and refresh your soul. Eat of the fruit and drink of the beverage. All is yours and you are welcome. This is the invitation we have into this book is profound, isn't it? It's lovely. It is an invitation to change our lives. It is an invitation to change your thinking and change your life, like Ernest Holmes said. And he placed four sections prior to chapter one. He placed four sections, and those four sections are the thing itself, the way it works, what it does, and how to use it. And if you don't read any other part of this book, because I know it's big and it's long and it's arduous, and some people have said it's very dry, but I found it fascinating. But if you read no other part of this book and just read the first four sections of the introduction, it will change your life. It will change your life. So he starts with the thing itself, God, the ground of all being, the energy which creates everything in the manifest universe and continues to create. Continues to create and dissolve everything. Continues to create and dissolve. The manifest universe just keeps creating and dissolving, right? Things come and things go in the manifest universe. Continents have come and gone. Empires, countries. Things come and they go. They come to pass. Huh? It doesn't say in the Bible it comes to stay. It says it comes to pass. Everything moves in the physical universe. And everything in the manifest universe is created by love through law. This is Ernest Holmes' definition that spirit is pure love. It creates everything and it points the way into that creation, loving itself into form, and law is what does the work without question. Ernest Holmes said this, this is the simple meaning of true metaphysical teaching, the study of life and the nature of law, governed and directed by thought, always conscious that we live in a spiritual universe, and that God is in, through, as, around, and for us. That's a powerful statement. We have to let go of the Old Testament idea of God. We absolutely have to come to peace and come to heal that Old Testament idea we have of God. That big old man with the long white beard sitting on a cloud up there somewhere, alternatively blessing some and smiting others, just because. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Wiping out life on earth because he was not satisfied with the behavior of his own making. We have to eliminate that idea of a personification of a deity. Frankly, it's nonsense. (laughs) Well, spirit is principle. It is principle. It is not personality. It is the principle of life. And it operates through a system of spiritual laws. Ernest Ernest Holmes said, and it is also no respecter of persons, which simply means it responds to all alike. It doesn't matter who who, who we are. The spiritual principles respond exactly the same way to everyone. If I take two colors and mix them together, if I mix blue and yellow together, I'm going to get green. If you mix blue and yellow together, you're going to get green. If you mix blue and yellow together, you're going to get green. If anybody mixes blue and yellow together, they're going to get green. Anybody gets the same result. That's what we're talking about. The principle responds the same to all alike. Universal principles do not play favorites. So you're going to eliminate the whole idea of the chosen people as well as, as eliminating the idea of a big old man god. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads us to the way it works, right? We have this principle before us. We have this principle before us, this mighty, infinite principle. And the next, the next uh, part of the introduction is the way it works. Ernest Holmes said this. He said, the thing then, the thing itself, this principle, this spirit, the thing then works for us by working through us and as us, always. It cannot work for us any other way. It spreads itself over the entire universe and shouts at us from every angle. But it can become power to us only when we recognize it as power. The law receives and does without question whatever is planted into it. A farmer plants corn, corn stalks grow. If he plants wheat, wheat will come up out of the ground. Same with watermelon seeds, same with tomato seeds. We get what we plant with no objection from the law. So what are you planting? Fear or faith? What are you planting? because that's what's going to come into your experience. You know that story about somebody you know, at the coffee shop, and, and he gets his coffee, and he turns around to leave, and somebody bumps into him, and coffee spills all over the place. Why did the coffee spill? And somebody would say, because, well, because he was bumped into. No, the coffee spilled because that's what was in the cup. <laughs> right? Coffee spilled out of the cup because that's what was in the cup. What is in you? What is in you? So when you get bumped, what comes out? Fear, faith, anger, joy, hostility, forgiveness, compassion. What comes out of you when you get bumped? What are you planting? Because whatever, whatever you, you are, right? Inside of you, whatever is dwelling in there, whatever energy that you are resonating with, that you are resonating in, that's what will be attracted into your experience through the law. That is what will be attracted into your experience. Whatever is in there, that's what you'll attract to yourself. In, in Ern, Ernest Holmes said this, in, um, this is what it does. It personifies itself through the human, in varying degrees, according to our receptivity to it, right? That's a third part of this thing. This is what it does. It personifies itself through the human in varying degrees according to our receptivity to it. It responds to us. That's what it does. That's the third part in the introduction. It responds to us. Do we see that? The gift has already been given. Spirit has already poured all of itself into, into us, into our, into our condition, into our manifest universe. It is all available to us in limitless quantities. We must make ourselves available to the gift. We must be receptive to it right according like you said according to our receptivity to uh, to it see how brilliant that is spirit is all around us right like that that other that other quote all around us shouting at us pressing itself up against us but we must recognize it we have to recognize it we say we live in a safe and an orderly universe and the universe says yes. We say we're alone, and we're afraid, and we're apt to be a victim, and the universe says yes. We say we're loved, and we're lovable, and the universe says yes. And we say we're sad, and alone, and pathetic, and the universe says yes. Life is not happening to us. Life is responding to us. The universe has already given to everyone alike. It is impersonal. Remember the colors? It is impersonal. It has already given itself to us. So it moves us to contemplate the fourth step how to use it. How to use it. And for me, how to use it means believing in it. How to use it means believing it works. Absolutely accepting and believing as a child. Believing it works. Believing in its ability to respond to me according to my belief in it. Ernest Holmes said this. He said, it follows that if we believe it will not work, it really works by appearing to not work. When we believe it cannot and it will not, then according to principle, it does not. How brilliant is that? Which means principle is working perfectly. It's working perfectly. It is responding to our belief that it doesn't work. So it doesn't work. Now, it responds to my belief that it does work by working. That's how it works. How perfect is that, right? It means it's working perfectly. It's not working for us when we believe it's not working for us. So simple. Ernest Holmes said this philosophy is very simple. It's just not easy sometimes. (laughs) And I remember Terry Cole Whitaker said, I think it takes a lot of effort to get to effortless, right? It takes a lot of effort to get to effortless. So it is up to us to practice enlarging our acceptance of it enlarging our acceptance of this power and presence greater than we are that we can use. Our belief that it works all the time, especially in those times when it doesn't appear to be working, to, to absolutely put our faith in it when appearances are contrary to what we would know, right? When we are witnessing conditions to the contrary, it is the most Powerful time for us to believe. It is the most rewarding time for us to believe. We must not be fooled by conditions. We must stay steadfast in the face of, in spite of, appearances. We must stay steadfast in principle and know it works. Beyond, beyond hoping, we must know that it works. We must Declare peace in the face of chaos. We must declare love in the face of hate. We must declare abundance in the face of lack. And wholeness in the face of incompleteness. Ernest Holmes said this about using the power. He said, what you and I need more than anything else and above everything else, is a quiet confidence that there is a power greater than we are and that we can use it. And having come to this simple conclusion, we should not spend all our time proclaiming there is a power. Rather, we should spend our time proving this power exists. We should spend our time finding out just how it works and through us and what it means to us as individuals and what it can mean to the whole world if everyone became acquainted with it and learned how to use it. That's what we're here to do. It has been said, you know, that if everyone knew what we knew and practiced what we practice and learned what we learned within these walls, when we get together that there would not be buildings large enough to house the religious science community. And I believe that's true. I believe that we are spiritual first responders. (laughs) I believe the world is calling for us to be bigger, to stand in our truth, to know what we know, to shout it from the rooftops. To be the change the world is calling for us to be. To be the peace that the world is calling for us to be. To stand in our truth regardless of the conditions, regardless of what the world looks like. To know what we know and practice what we practice. And be the peace of the world. Peace be unto thee, stranger. Together we are creating a new world. Thank you.